John 15, 1 through 17. Please pay attention to the reading of God's word. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. The power to save, the power to lead us, guide us, the power to change our hearts, the power to be sanctified and to grow. It's not in us, but it's in you. God, I pray that you would speak through Chris this morning, that he would rest in the power and the authority of your word, not in his his own strength, not even in his own preparation. Speak through him, help him to communicate your word clearly to us so that we may be changed and may know you more. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Um, I'm Chris. If you haven't seen me in my family before, you've probably heard us at least. We sit over here. Um, Glad to to be here with you this morning. Um, To start out, I was just wondering if you've ever heard the the statement made, I'm just living my truth. Like, this is my truth. I'm just, I'm doing this. This is, this is true, you know. and I feel like it's something we hear more and more in our culture that, that people are just being their authentic selves and they're doing what feels good to them and, and this is their truth, right? And I, I just wonder why that is, that we feel like we have to invent our own truth, right? Like it's, it seems like real truth, actual truth, makes us uncomfortable and we don't like it. Um, and so we have to tweak it a little bit to make it fit more you know, with what, um, what we want it to look like or what we want it to be or what um, seems right to us. But the I am statements of Jesus kind of shoot all those things um, full of holes, right? Um, Jesus, over the past several weeks, if you, if you haven't been uh, with us, I encourage you to listen to these sermons. But Jesus 
tells us what truth is. And so I'm just going to read the, the previous I am statements that, that we've gone through together. He says that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this sounds a little different than living, you know, living your truth, right? Jesus seems to be telling us in the I am statements what truth is. And, and he's the one that, that sets those parameters. He's the one that um, defines truth. And, and he's, he's doing that in each statement. And each one we learn a little bit more about who he is, what he's come to do, um, who, who in fact God has sent to save his people, what, what he's like. I mean, so today we're going we're gonna to see that some more in, in the final I am statement. Um, I am the true vine, right? And so I just want to ask us as we get started, if, if we can handle the truth, if we can handle what it really is, um, if we can handle who Jesus says he really is and, and what it actually takes to, to follow him, to be in him. I mean, as we've talked about in these previous weeks, Many of the hearers of what Jesus is saying in each of these instances um, are unwilling to, to believe what he's saying, right? The, the Pharisees were enraged or really angry that he would dare to say such things. Um, others, like the Roman government, were threatened by what he had to say. They weren't able to handle what Jesus was saying the truth is. And for Jesus' own disciples, we've even looked at how they weren't really able to fully wrap their head around uh, what the truth is. And and, and what it really was that was happening, what they were involved in. They, they even had moments of doubt where they weren't really sure if, if Jesus was truly the Messiah who's come to save. And so from each of these three camps, from the Pharisees to the Roman government to the disciples who were close to Jesus doing ministry with him, they should, their responses should be familiar to us today. We forget sometimes. We deny. We ignore. We even get mad about um, the reality of who Christ really is and and, and what this has to say about our life, what impact it, it has. And so the last of the I am statements really brings all these things full circle. A lot, in a lot of ways, that's a repetition of what Jesus has already said, but it also um, tells us a little bit more. We're getting closer and closer to Jesus' earthly ministry being over. And so he's, he's really trying to, to bring things full circle and help his disciples, his closest friends and followers, understand who he is, what he's done, and what that means for them after he's, he's gone. And so, what is the truth? And what I want us to see today is that Jesus says that he is the true vine who loves, pursues, and changes those who are in him. That's the truth, based on Jesus' words. And, and for us, there's some, there's some actions here for us. There's some things we need to do as we think about this truth. And I'm going to put this into two buckets. And this first kind of umbrella bucket is to remain and remember the truth. If you're taking notes, that's really the first, first section of where we're going to be. And the, and the truth is that Jesus is clear about his identity. So part of the farewell discourse is where we find ourselves this morning. This is um, the section of, of John right after the Last Supper. The Last Supper just ended, and Jesus has said, uh, let us get up and, and go. You know, and where are they going? They're going to the garden where Jesus will pray, where his disciples will fall asleep, and where he'll be arrested, tried, and killed a little later. And so we're kind of in this transition moment where there's, there's a lot of things building up right now. Um, and, and this is a key part of, of the farewell discourse. And, and Jesus doesn't really 
ease into this, into this conversation with them, right? He's, he's very direct. He says, I am the true vine in verse 1. And he's not using just another helpful illustration here. I know a lot of the other I am statements, it's easy to read those and think how, well, it's really helpful. Like, I understand a little bit more, you know, about the, the big picture about who Jesus is. But, but really, this imagery of the vine, the true vine, is, is more than that. It's more than just metaphor. Um, he's really um, speaking right into the disciples' knowledge of Judaism and the Jewish system that they lived in and, and, and what that, that looked like. And for him to be the true vine goes against everything the Jewish system at the time was saying, right? Um, remember, remember the Jews, remember Israel? They, they were the ones that were God's chosen people who were going to fill the earth and fill the earth with blessing. They were going to bless all the nations through their race. And, and how did that go? If, if you know the Old Testament, not very well. Um, they they failed, failed a lot. They um, got really close to being obedient a lot of times, but they always, it was just a constant back and forth of falling down and God picking them back up again and, and them just not fully um, obeying and, and fulfilling the purpose that, that God had for them. And so Jesus has come and he has said all these other, other things in the I am statements and now he's saying, I am the true vine. And for the disciples that he's speaking to right now, this would really help them to, like, to focus on, on his words. It would help them pay attention, I think, and it should help us do the same because Israel is referred to in the Old Testament um, in places like Isaiah 5 and then Psalm 80 as, as the vine, like God's choice vine, right? And so this is directly speaking, speaking into that, into that system, and him saying that he's the fulfillment of it. Where, where Israel failed to obey God and to carry out God's will, Jesus is saying, I'm here and I'm going to perfectly do that. I'm not going to fail. I'm, I'm the one who's come uh, to be the better Israel and to do what they could not do. Um, and for the disciples, I think that made a lot of sense. They were his friends. They believed in what he had to say. Um, but yet, I think Jesus feels the need to keep, keep repeating himself in, in this way because they, they forget. Right? We talked last, last week about how they were filled with doubt and unbelief and they needed the Lord to help their unbelief. And this is a way that he's doing that, is just reminding them again um, of who he truly is. And so, whereas Israel failed, Christ would not. And this, this is the central claim that really caused so much friction for Jesus and his followers in the world they lived in with the Pharisees and religious leaders. This is why they hated him and wanted to kill him. It was because he was saying this very thing, that he, he was the better Israel, that he was actually God's instrument to do God's will and not, not a, a people of a certain genetic makeup. And so that, that was confrontational, obviously. Um, and it's really just important for us to... to let that sink in a little bit, I think, that he's saying he's the long-awaited one who's come to save, right? He's the true vine. And then he makes another statement here that his father is the vine dresser. And this also falls well within the other teachings of Jesus about him and the father being one. They had an intimate relationship, right? They were one yet different roles. And I think this is a helpful illustration to see that, that, that God is the vine dresser. He's the one that takes care of the vine. He keeps the vine where it is. And the, and the vine itself is the one that is growing this good fruit, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and, and so he's saying these things, and some of this may seem repetitious, I think, for, for the disciples. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we follow you. We believe in you being true Israel. We believe that you're the one God sent. Um, and, and I think they might be wondering why he's telling them this again. And then in verse 3, he tells them, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And so I think he's... He's telling them, he's reminding them 
of who he is, not because they need to be saved over and over and over, but I think that they need to remember who he is over and over and over. They need to constantly be repenting of their sin, constantly be looking to him and remembering who he is, um, even if they've been, they've been saved, right? He's, he's already made them clean. He's, he's already saved them. But they still need to hear this again. And I think there's something there for us too today. If you're a believer, you know, maybe we're familiar with all the stories and all the gospels and all the things that God has done, but we need to continue to, to hear those things and believe those things and be reminded um, so that we can, can walk in holiness. And so Jesus is, is very clear about, about his identity. He says in verse 4, just moving through uh, this chapter, abide, abide in the vine. You know, a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. And so if you think about Door County cherries, just my Wisconsin example for the sermon, um, people love Door County cherries. Like they're a specific cherry, right, that comes from a specific type of tree maybe. Um, and they're different from Michigan cherries, right? They're not the same. And some people from Wisconsin would say Michigan cherries aren't actually cherries at all. So they're, they're different, right? They taste different. They look different. They grow in different places. And so I think that's, that's kind of helpful for us to, to think through um, not just Jesus' identity, but our identity. Because just as he is clear about who he is, Jesus is also clear about who we are. And so he's saying a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, right? If you're not in the vine, you're nothing. You're, you're dead, right? And so this is really what Jesus is getting at. He, he, he is the way of life, right? These are things he said over and over again. He's just encapsulating them here. Um, in verse 4, he says, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And so this is a mere, a mere call for us, I think, to, to bear good fruit versus bad fruit because a lot of times you hear this particular passage and people talk a lot about how you know, we just need to be doing these things to stay in the vine, stay connected to Jesus, um, and don't do all these other things that keep you from him. And, th- and that's true. Those are good reminders. But more than that, I think what Jesus is saying here is it's not that if you're in a different place than in the vine that you're bearing a different type of fruit. You're not bearing fruit at all if you're not in this vine, in Christ, right? He's saying he is the way to bear fruit in this life, to, to have meaning, to, to produce a life that glorifies the Lord. You have to be in the vine. There's no other vine, right? Um, just like for the Door County cherry, there's no other, like, random tree they can just kind of jump off of and be part of a different one. There's that tree that they grew on uh, in that place. And, and so it is for us, too. There's, there's nowhere else we can go for life uh, but, to, but to Christ. And, and we need to be very careful, I think, if we try to go down a path that leads us somewhere else because it's, it's not leading to even a different kind of fruit, right? It's, it's not leading to anything. And I think that's really important for us to, to understand. And so some important things for us to note with this, this, this isn't a call to, to work hard, to, to do more, to, to try to stay connected. You know, it's not like we're falling off the vine and we're trying to like hold on to the vine for dear life. Even though that is important, we have to hold on to him. We have to be connected to him. Um, but it, more than that, it's a call to, to believe and to be where Jesus is, right? And, and that's where the disciples find themselves right now. But shortly after these verses, you know, they're all scattered different directions. Like, horrible things happen. Jesus is killed. They don't know what, what will happen next. And, and so this is going to be the central thing he's encouraging them to remember, is that you have to stay connected to me if you're, if you're going to make it at all. Um, and so... Um, moving, moving on, uh, last week Josh mentioned how we're called the, 
by the Lord to believe, to believe more, and to believe distinctly in Christ. And I think that's really what Jesus is getting at here with his disciples. And, and he's saying that we bear much fruit when we abide, right? Um, and not that we necessarily work hard and we get like works back. It's not prosperity driven. But he's saying by abiding in Christ, in, in himself, um, there, there are fruits that come out of that. Your life looks different. Right? And so, again, these aren't just spiritual disciplines, although that's involved, but a lot of what I think he's talking about here is advancing the kingdom of God. Like, that's part of the fruit that, that we as believers would bear. And so if you think about the disciples here, the call to abide was almost like a battle cry for them, even though they didn't know that exactly yet or fully understand it, because they're making their way from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, um, where it was just going to get really crazy from there, right? It was going to seem like God was not in control, that he'd left them, that he'd forsaken his own son. And instead, really what Jesus is saying is, you know, this is kind of a call to arms. This is, we're marching off to war right now, and I need you to remember that you have to be in me, you have to follow me, follow the leader on this, if you're, if you're going to be victorious in the battle that's coming. Um, and so I think there's a lot for us to learn in that, you know, because a lot of times... That's not how we view our relationship with the Lord. We, we tend to, to, to view it in softer terms sometimes. Like, you know, I just, I want kind of a problem-free life. I know things go better when you do what God wants, you know. And, and while it may be true, God wants more of, from us and of us than, than that, right? He doesn't want the bare minimum. He wants us to bear, bear fruit for his kingdom, to, um, to live for him in a way that shows others around us who he is, what he's like, uh, and that advances the kingdom that he's ushered in by, by coming to the earth in the first place. And so um, it's, it's a battle cry. And then if, as we think about the, the troops marching to war like idea, I think that really helps us understand what it is to abide, like that type of abiding that God is, is talking about. It's, it's not a passive encouragement to just stay close to me. You know? um, it's almost as if you're, if you're a parent and you have really young kids and you're at the Mall of America or something like that and you know, you're walking through the concourse or, like, a store. You know, you're grabbing your child, and you're like, you know, stay close to me. And it's not just a suggestion. <laughs> you, you need them to stay right where you can see them so nothing happens to them, right? And it's, it's urgent. It's important. It matters what they do. It matters if they're by you or if they're not. And, and for us, it's the same. It matters if we're where Christ is, if, if we are surrounding ourselves with him and his presence and his word and his people. And it, and it matters if we're not. There, there are consequences to that. Um, and so... He, he, didn't, he didn't die to give us subtle suggestions. He didn't come and die for us to even have the ability to be nice to each other. It's so much more than that. He died so that, fueled by the Holy Spirit, his disciples and you and I, as his disciples in the 21st century, would seek out those who are lost and those who are hurting and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. That's, that's why he came. And the mission and calling is the same for all of us, if you're, if you're a believer today. It's, it's not acts of kindness, it's acts of the Spirit of God. It's not um, the community of your choosing where everyone agrees with you. It's a gospel-saturated community that's really diverse, and you believe different things and look different ways in your different ages, but you believe in the same God and have devoted your whole life to him. I mean, it's, it's a life that is abiding in and connected to him daily so that you're growing in godliness and holiness and away from sin and disobedience. I mean, and this is the life in verse 8. I'm just going to turn there really quick. 
that Jesus is saying, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to, my, to be my disciples. It's this type of life that produces fruit and glorifies God. And it's, it's this life that Jesus has come to purchase. And so what happens, conversely, what happens to those who aren't abiding? He talks at length about the benefits of abiding in the vine, what that looks like, why that's good, why that should matter to us. But what, what if you're not? And then in verse 6, um, going back a second, he says that, that those, those branches are, th- are thrown away. They wither. They're thrown into the fire and burned. Um, and so this is a really sobering reality, you know, when you take it out of just being metaphor to talking about actual people. Uh, this is talking about the judgment of God. This is talking about real consequences for the condition of our heart and our soul. And it's, it's not, just, not just metaphor uh, to, to sound nice and to keep us from doing bad things, but it's saying if Jesus hasn't changed your heart, if you're not connected to him, um, you're not producing any kind of fruit again, right? Like you're, you're dead. You're dead in your sin. Um, just like what other places in the New Testament say, especially in Paul's teaching, how you know, we have no life apart from, from what Christ has done. And so um, that, that's really sobering that we shouldn't take that lightly. And, and if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we're, we're glad you're here. Extremely glad. And because we're glad, because we care for you and the condition of your heart, uh, we want you to hear the truth of God's word and then know what he says and not give you a more palatable version, but give you the version that he's given us uh, because it matters what we believe. And so apart from the work of Jesus Christ in our lives, we can't do anything. We're spiritually dead and unable to bring glory to him, which is what we see this fruitful life being defined as. You know, we're keeping the commandments of God. We're giving glory to God. And that only happens if we're connected to Christ. Right? And so another piece of the reality for, for those who abide in Christ is a profound intimacy, which we kind of see in verse 9. He talks, about, <clears throat> he talks about how the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And, and again, that's, that's kind of an amazing statement by Jesus to people who are full of sin, like his disciples, his close friends. Sure, they were his disciples and close friends, but they were full of sin. They, he knew the doubts they were going to have. He knew how he would be um, betrayed by them in various ways. When you think of Peter and denying that he knew him just a little bit later in the night, uh, this same night, you know. Um, but, but even still, he's saying, if you're connected to me, if I've saved you, if I've made you clean, um, I've loved you in the same way that the Father loves me. And that's a deep, intimate love. And so in the vine, we have a deep intimacy. And conversely, Outside of the vine, we have profound, like, deep isolation. And so there's, there's a, a real distinct, like, black and white there. You know, there's, there's not a lot of middle ground um, in, our, in a culture that really likes to find middle ground and make it up. <laughs> um, there, there's not one you know, when, when you're talking about following Christ. And, and that matters. That's important, right? The final reality we see here in terms of the identity of, of those who are abiding is obedience that leads to joy. In verse 11, he says, I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so this isn't just drudgery. You know, he's not encouraging them to abide, to obey um, out of this, like, forced hand submission. He, he wants them to have joy and love, love what Jesus loves, to, to love the will of the Father, to, to love who Christ is and what he's come to do, and, and love the hard truths, I think, that are really hard to swallow sometimes. But because they love God, he's encouraging them to, to love love those things, have joy, but not just any joy, have my joy. 
the same type of joy he has as he obeys the Father, which should really cause us to step back for a second and just, like, let that sink in, you know. Uh, Jesus is, is saying, have the joy and obedience to God that I have in obedience to God. And as we're seeing here, this kind of unfolding narrative is he's about to obey God to the point of death. And, and he's talking about having joy doing that. And, and that's just amazing to, to think about. Um, that's not, that's, that's not a, small, a small type of love. That's, that's a love that there's no other, other one like it, right? And that's what we find in the vine of, of Jesus Christ. And so now that we have the facts, now that we have this truth presented that Jesus has made himself clearly known and made the reality for us who um, are living clearly known on one side of the vine or the other, um, what do we do with that? What do you do with the truth once you have it? Right? And I think the call here for us as people who um, love God um, is to respond to what he said and to rejoice in it. And so uh, the truth about Jesus should really be the, the fuel on the fire of our faith. It should, it should be what helps us do everything that God's called us to do. Not just help us get through the day, but help us to, to go through the day focused on him and, and not letting our circumstance dictate how we feel or not letting that bad conversation at work um, you know, ruin your day, but, but to know that um, Jesus is on the throne, that he, he came and he died and he did it with joy, joyful obedience, so that you would have joyful obedience in God and produce much fruit for the kingdom. And so that should really fuel the fire of our faith. Um, remember the, the Door County cherries? Again, this is the last time I'll mention those, but there's not, you know, they're, they're either on the tree or they're not. It's, it's black and white. There's a reality, a, a real thing that's taking place, and then there's, like, fiction. And I think we have to be careful there when we're um, living a life that is seeking to be obedient to God, to, to live in, in knowledge of that, that what God has said is true, and if someone else has said something contrary, it's not maybe a little true, it's just it's not true at all. And, and so I think we have to be, be careful there and, and have wisdom. And as we're following, as we're abiding in the vine, he'll give us that wisdom to do that as well. And so there's not one foot in and one foot out of the kingdom. You're in it or you're not. You're, you're alive spiritually or you're dead spiritually. And um, any fruit we bear in our life is a result of, of what Jesus has done, not something we are doing. And I think that that is important for us as we live a life of faith together. <clears throat> and then in verse 12, verses 12 and 13, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so here, I think, we think of the disciples often, and we know that they're God's friends, that Jesus' friends, and we know he spent a lot of time with them, he cares for them, um, but there's something just so special and so profound about that, that people who are following Jesus, who are part of his kingdom family, who are connected to the vine that he is at the center of, he, he calls us friends, and uh, he goes on to say that we're not servants. Um, no longer do I call you servants, in verse 15, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And so this is a special relationship, right? There aren't many that are, are quite this intimate, right? We're not, we're not servants who are just drones that are doing God's will, right? There's, there's not this obedience that's devoid of any joy and meaning, Instead, we're friends. We know the point. We know when we're supposed to obey. We know why God has, has called us to what he's called us to, to a life of holiness that uh, the, as a life of love, that is a life of 
rejecting sin and, and choosing him. Um, he's done that so we could be with him, right? So that we can know joy, what it is to, to have that eternal joy. And, and so we're his friends. If you're in Christ today, just like the disciples, Jesus has called you friend. He's made the will of his father, the God of creation, known to you and to me. And, and that should have an impact on how we live our lives. That should fuel our faith, right? And so um, it's more than just mere knowledge of, know, of knowing who God is and what he's doing. It's, it's really just understanding this intimate relationship that he has with his own, that he's come to purchase. And so going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, Jesus loves, pursues, and changes those who are in him. And we, we keep seeing this over and over in the way Jesus is talking here. Uh, the love that he has for his people, the way he pursues and changes them. Um, he, he doesn't leave people the same, right? If you're a servant in a house, going back to the passage, you're not a member of the family, right? It, it, it's a different relationship. If you're a, tr- a tree full of fruitful branches, you're not a dead limb on the ground, right? There's differentiation there, and, that, and that's very important. And so this has got to be a comfort to the disciples as they're in the middle of uncertainty that's only going to get worse. You know, they think they're confused about some of the things Jesus has said to this point, but no doubt there are times after this when the the trial and the crucifixion is going on that they're going to be even more confused. And this is what he's given them to hold on to. Abide in me. I am the true vine. Uh, And they, they were appointed to help spread God's kingdom even in the midst of what seems like chaos, and, and bear the fruit of joyful obedience and sacrificial love. And if you're a Christian here today, that, that's what you've been appointed to do as well, to spread, spread the kingdom of God, to share the gospel with those around us, to bear fruit that looks like joyful obedience and, and the things that God's called us to do. And, and, th- and that matters, right? That's, that's not a small thing. That's not something we get to, to choose and, and tweak and make our own, right? This is, this is God's story. This is God's will, and um, we're chosen as the church, as people in the church, to carry that will out. And so, where are you when you, when you hear the words of Jesus in John 15? Right, right now, as you sit there, you know, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, are you encouraged by what Jesus is saying? Are you fired up, or are you discouraged? Are you a little afraid, or a little, um, a little upset, maybe, because it, maybe it's different than what you would like it to be? Um, do, do these fill you with wonder, these commands, these things Jesus is saying? Does it fill you with awe or does it fill you, fill you more with um, discouragement or even resentment towards God? You know, our hearts are hardened towards God sometimes and, and sometimes that can be a result is, is for us to, to reject him in that way. And so just reflect for a moment on, on where you are when you're hearing this and know that no matter where you are, whether you're on board with everything that's being said or whether you have some questions, just know that um, Jesus is the way of life. He's the only way of life. And he, as the true vine, he has called us all to remain in him if we're going to live. And, and remember what he said. Remember the, the victory that he gives those who are in him through joyful obedience, through fruit that is lasting, not because it's something we did, not because we left a legacy of some kind, but because we obeyed God, because we loved other people, and because we shared the gospel with them. Uh, that's what we're here for. And so throughout um, each of these I am passages, you know, is this call to believe and to act out of that belief. And that's what we see here again today. The command to abide is, is that same, same, same command, to, to believe in me, to do the things I've called you to do, to trust where I'm leading you. 
And Jesus is clear about um, this identity and, and the need f- for us to, um, to embrace it, right? So we live in a world that's full of confusion and, and false claims, as we kind of talked about at the beginning. And we, we crave clarity. We want to know what we're supposed to do with our life. And Jesus provides that clarity over and over again. You know, just taking the I am statements as a small snippet of Scripture, he's providing clarity time after time again. He's being clear. He wants us to not be confused about what it looks like to know him, to be known by him, and to follow him. And so that's, that's what we need, right? And, and Jesus offers it. So see that today. See that he offers what it is you and I both need. Clarity on how to live. Um, and so for the disciples, they were going to need that clarity in the season they were about to find themselves in. But the clarity, once they had it, that made everything worthwhile. That made all the things that would happen to them afterwards, all the arrests, all the beatings, all the death they would face, um, it, it made it worth it to them. It made a difference in their life. No human cost was too great when they were abiding in Christ. Right? They were aware of the sacrifice he had made for his friends. And, and so should we be. Right? We, we shouldn't be afraid of what culture will say or do to us, how they'll try to push us to the side. Um, if we're following Christ, those things don't matter. Because we're, we're, we're his friends who are following him. Wherever it is he's leading. Um, but I think we have to know that this is, this is war. Right? He's leading us through spiritual battle. Um, and if, if you've been alive for longer than five minutes you're probably aware of that. Like, there's some spiritual battle going on, like, in our hearts all the time. No matter if you're a Christian for years or a newer believer, there's always that tension there of doing what we want or what the world wants versus what God has made clear to us through his word. And, and so as we go through that battle, Jesus is saying, as we're going out, like, each day, you know, abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. You know, he, he just over and over, like, believe that he is who he says he is. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he's made you clean by his word. And his word was made perfect, fulfilled, at his death, resurrection, and ascension. So he, he's, he's made a way for us to do the things he's called us to do. He calls us friends. He has created us to bear lasting fruit. And which, again, the fruit's not our works. It's the culmination of a life that glorifies God, that seeks to love him and do the things he's commanded. And that looks like pouring ourselves out to the world, to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers, and doing that on behalf of the true vine. Right? And so we have to remember these, these realities if we're going to respond and rejoice. Right? Because it's easy to just respond and feel dutiful, but Jesus is calling us to respond and have joy as we go out and do these things, this hard work that it is to follow him, to live the Christian life. He, he makes um, no illusions that it's easy, and I don't think that really matters very much. Right? He doesn't talk about how it's going to be easy. He, he just talks about how he is with, with us, that he, um, with, his, with those that are connected to him, he, you know, he's there, he's present. He doesn't leave or abandon us, even if we can't physically see him right now. Right? And that's a reality I think that is important for the, the context here, too, because they were used to having Jesus physically with them, going with them, leading the way. You know? And all of a sudden, he's, he's not going to be there anymore physically. But they see that he gives them help. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and that same spirit is the one that filled the disciples so that they could go about and, and fight the good fight of, of a godly life. Right? Um, so just to recap a little bit, we need to remember these realities so that we can respond with joy. Uh, and a lot of that centers on the fact that we've got nowhere else to go but to, to Christ. Right? There's no other vine 
It's, it's only him. And so if you're trying to graft yourself into something that's pretending to be a vine in, in the world around you, just know that those things are imitations, right? Jesus talks about those false teachers and those who would say they, they're the right way. But Jesus has come and said, I know I'm the way. Um, and and we're, to, we're to follow him and to believe in him and to place all of our belief and, and hope in who he says he is. And this is what the reformers in the five solas called solus Christus, or Christ alone. Jesus Christ alone is Lord, Savior, and King. And so that means there's not another one. Right? Again, there's no, no other but him. And so um, since it's Reformation Sunday, I wanted to, to really bring us to that. Right? Like these, are, these are truths that affected the disciples long ago who were following Jesus. And this same, same claim, the same truth claim that Jesus has made is what has caused all kinds of division and issues in the church for the past 500,000, 2,000 years, right? Including the Reformation. A lot, of, a lot of what happened during the Reformation came out of, are we really believing that Jesus is the true vine, that he's given us this true word, and that he's our mediator and not someone else, right? And so the, the king, this king, has come to break the power of sin and death in the world around us and in our own lives. And he, he calls us to abide in him, to go to battle um, with him and for him, so that um, we could, could make him known in our families, in our community, and to the nations. So let's, let's thank him and pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the record we have of what you've, what you've said about yourself, and that we can know who you are by reading these words that have been translated by other, other saints and other times, but you, you've, you're using their good fruit, the fruit that you've helped them bear to glorify God and grow the kingdom. And we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the true vine and that you are exactly who you, you say you are in every other instance of scripture. And we can trust you fully and wholly and know that your, your plan is good and right and victorious. And so I pray for all of us as the church as we um, go about the week and do spiritual battle at home, in our hearts, at work, um, at school, or wherever we might find ourselves, Lord, that we, we would know that you've gone before us and you've made a way through your your sacrifice on our behalf, and you call us friends, and you don't abandon us because, because of those things. So we can, can live a life that is victorious and pleasing to you as we find ourselves rooted in, in who you are, Lord. So help us, to, help us to examine ourselves today and to, find, to make sure that we are indeed rooted in the true vine and not an imitation. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.